What up, people? Hello, hello, hello. Hey, 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 this is Laura. And this is Ardeen, and welcome to What Happens After Dark. Darkness in the Night. The Cootie, the Boogeyman. <laughs> Bedbugs, yes. spiders, creepy things, fairies. Yeah, fairies. And, and brownies, gnomes. yes. yes and I those. made a fairy house, Sardine. Oh, you saw oh, it. It's, it's cute, huh? So beautiful, <laughs> so beautiful. We need to get a few more things in it, yeah. but it's looking so it's pretty. It's so cute. They're going to love it. I got this bird cage from mm-hmm. uh, the gypsy store, and I knew instantly that's what I wanted to make it. And I like it because it like opens from the top, so I can oh. place all the things in there oh, without nice. trying to stick my fat hand <laughs> into the little oh, door. nice. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay, that's cute. We'll have to hang like a bird. Like, mm-hmm. there's, I have that string that's, it's like... Like fishing line? Yeah. So we can use that to maybe hang, hang a the few bird. birds. Yeah, I think so that would be cute. Like yeah. And I put those blue, blue marbles to make it look like there's water. like a lake. It's I like so that. Pretty. I'm it's all about water. So, and I have the hot glue. Oh, gun, cool. So we can use that to stick anything and hang some fairies. And yeah. Maybe put like a feather going down, like a slide or something. Yeah, that would be so cute. Sliding down, that would be so cute. Yeah, and I got. I'm looking for like a um, birdcage pole to like oh, so it's actually hanging it. instead of sitting on my altar. Maybe you know those antique shops. That's what I was thinking. When we go back to the gypsy store, I'm gonna see if I can find. Okay. Yeah. If so. they have like an antique store, those usually have those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And we're going to we're going back there at the end of July July. so we can go to Leeds Cemetery, too. Oh, my God. I cannot wait. (laughs) Yeah. And we're getting more tattoos. Yes. (laughs) Uh, We're getting an amazing the same tattoo. Yeah. Um, I'm going to do it on my forearm, too. I'm going to do it on my forearm and I'm going to have my grandkids names on it. So it'll be in honor of my little peanut. Yeah. But and you, too, because we're having the same one. So it's going to be like. Yeah, and my eyeball, I'm going to make uh, bright blue like my eyes. Yeah. And then, I don't know, I think it's going to be one that I think I'm actually going to have her work on over time. Because I was thinking, if I put that here, then I could maybe do a little bit more, like, mystic stuff. Oh, oh all the way around. Yeah. That's a good idea. And she told me, she's all, once you get tattooed, it's addicting. And I didn't it think is. it was. Because oh, piercings are addicting to me. Oh. And so... um yeah, I'm like, let's go back and get more tattoos now. If she has an idea of how to connect them like like Reiki and the chakras. Oh, that's another one I'm going to get down the middle of my back, starting on my neck, going the, down. The chakras mm-hmm. and then the Reiki flower, the lotus flower on the At bottom. The bottom. That would be so beautiful. That would be so on this pretty. shoulder, I'm going to do the elephant one with the three babies. Oh, that's going to be perfect. Yeah, because that's, that's, m- that's me perfect. and my babies. I'm gonna I'm gonna think about that too. I wanna do the hummingbird on my leg. Oh, on your leg? Ooh. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. wondering how painful the leg is to get that. Zach had my son. It's the same as the forearm. See, I, I was worried so Zach when he got his forearm mm-hmm. stuff done, um, his uh mushrooms right here, mm-hmm. he was like <laughs> so I'm wondering how you know guys <laughs> yeah and I mean I've given birth Women I've had so more, many surgeries more, yeah and so much pain yeah it's like we're more tolerant to pain than the guys I mean even Ashton cry and hers was right here so yeah. but Zach was like mom 
<laughs> and he has so many tattoos on his hands. He's going to get the ones on his hands covered up because he's got one right here that says F life. It's got oh. the work that he did himself. And he's like, I hate that. I don't know what I was thinking. So he's going to have Katie Bird go in and um, she can fix do it. something to cover it. Yeah. Yes. So I don't know if he's going to make it part of his mushroom sleeve or if nice. he's going to put something else there. I told him, you should put mama's boy. And he's like, no. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, but I love you and you love me. And he's like, no. no. <laughs> I told him, okay. Don't play <laughs> Tattoo it on your ass then. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, no. <laughs> oh my God. I can't wait for you to funny. meet him. He's so like. I do too. And I felt like we let him down the last time. And yeah. it's like, I got to make it up there. <laughs> Make it up to him. So, yes, I am excited. He's all, is she kind of prissy and rich? And and I'm like, no, she's very down to earth and like a mirror of me, Zach. Our personalities are very similar. Yeah. He's like, oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) What am I getting myself into? Just wait, Zach. Just wait. (laughs) I know. I know. You're in for a treat. (laughs) (laughs) He's excited for us to get there. It'll definitely be hot, though. St. George area, July and August, we're probably looking at maybe 105 to 108. Okay, so it's gonna be really warm. Okay, yeah, but it's gonna be fun. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited too. I cannot wait. I've been looking forward to go there with you on this road trip so much. I know. I can't wait to take you to the gypsy store. Oh, that's what I'm most excited. And maybe if we have time after leads or something, drive up to Zion's and yeah, go to the big rock crystal stores that are along the way going yeah, up. Those then that there's a cute road there uh-huh. that have tons of shops. Oh yeah. The main road in Springdale, I think is what it's called. I, I go there. Spring, yes, yeah. yes, yes. I love that I area. I went there. It's so pretty. I mm-hmm. went there with uh, Karina and Jaden. Oh my God. And then we took, uh, we had to pay to go to this. Did you go into Zion's National Park? mm -hmm. Like drive into the actual, no, beyond the gate? No. Okay. And we went up and we took these gorgeous pictures. Yeah. Gorgeous pictures. And it was so beautiful. And then we came back down, went on our way back. We saw all All those those shops. All those shops. But somehow, I didn't go back the way we're supposed to. How we ended up there, I don't know. But yeah. it was, we're, we're like, oh, this is so much better. <laughs> when I lived down there, I bought a annual pass for, because oh. I was by myself down there. Zach was only there for a few weeks with me. And so I would go like every weekend, just take <gasps> Millie and drive up there because the drive up there is so pretty. And it's then so through beautiful. the tunnels mm-hmm. and, oh, it's just gorgeous. Oh, I can't wait to do that. I See, we didn't do that. We didn't yeah, it's really pretty really pretty so we're gonna have fun yes absolutely and we found some awful news for you to oh my god that's (laughs) it's ridiculous okay so your guys's fears i'm sure are the same as mine it's like some crazy surgeon or anesthesiologist that doesn't knock you out all the way or whatever or does some kind of crazy shiz when you're getting surgery so this german surgeon got fired after getting hospital cleaner to help him in assisting in this guy's amputation. That's ridiculous. Yeah, it is so gross. And so it <sighs> says when the patient who had received a local anesthetic became restless, the doctor asked a near, uh, nearby cleaner to hold the man's leg and pass surgical. So it wasn't like the, I was thinking a chemical, but it was an actual janitor then that he asked 
just their cleaning. Oh my God. And can you imagine the poor janitor, what he must have. I know. Like watching watching him chop his leg. And and under just local generalized anesthesia. I'm sure that guy was feeling that. That's like a sign of the bones. Even if it's not painful, but you can feel the pressure of it. Yes. Yeah. There's, there's no, that's just totally wrong. He should have been completely sedated and down for it. Yeah. And I, I'm hoping not only did this guy get fired, but I'm hoping that he, he lost his medical. His license. Absolutely. Yeah. Because no, he should not. Um, that he shouldn't yeah. have never done that. No, 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 no. So you don't, you cancel the surgery. You stop it until you have enough staff to do it. Yep. Exactly. That's insane. Oh, like, my God. Or even, like, maybe get something to, like, strap the leg down so you can do it that's, like, sterilized yeah, and clean. but not someone that came cleaning the bathrooms <laughs> and holding his leg. If they would have asked me, okay, so I'm a very bloody, gory person. I don't mind that stuff. I probably would have been like, what you doing? Oh, my gosh. Wow. Can you I help? the vein. <laughs> <laughs> I would be all in it. <laughs> It's just dangling there with the stuff hanging out. No way. Yeah, I no. would have passed out. No, I love that kind of stuff. No I way. love watching medical mm. shows and YouTube, like with different things. So no, thank you. No, like that that um, show is that doctor that does the pimples. Oh, Doctor Pimple Popper, the oh, lady. Heck, no, no, I can't even watch the commercial. Oh, I love those videos. I watch them over and oh, over. Oh, no. I can't even watch the commercial. Like, I will just close my eyes, mute it, because I don't even want to hear it. <laughs> no. Mm-mm. No, thank you. Not me. <laughs> no. There's a lot I can tolerate, but that's not one of them. Mm-mm. My ex was that way, too, because when I, my so my oldest, Ash, and my youngest, Zach, I had C-section for both of those. And so Ash was a, like an emergency, like he could, and it was the first time with this doctor. So mm-hmm. he didn't let Vince in. But when I was getting ready to have Zach, um, it was an emergency too. But by then he knew Zach because I had the same doctor for all three. And um, Vince was like, I want to see, what are you doing? Laying her gut. And he told me afterward, he's like, they were laying your guts out on the table because they have to take everything out to get to the uterus to take the baby out. Are you Serious? Yeah, so he got to see all my innards. He's like, oh my gosh, you wouldn't believe what they're doing to you. And the doctor told him, do you want to stay in here, Mr. Luna? And he was like, yes. Sit your ass down. And shut your <laughs> mouth. <laughs> He's like, you can tell her after, but we don't need her anxiety going through the roof. Knowing that her guts are laying there. Oh my God. Yeah. They did C-section for a Karina. Because after, I think it was 27 hours, the baby was so big. Jaden was so big, he was getting stuck, and they didn't want him to get stuck and have to suck him out. Yeah. So she said, we're just going to do uh, a C-section right now. I'm like, okay. So she's like, yeah, I can't have you deliver the baby anymore. You got to, because I was all ready yeah. to go. He's like, no, we're going to have to do this C-section. And so they got him out on time. And his head was a little deformed the first Yeah, like two a weeks. pointy yeah, from trying to come. trying to come out. Yeah, my little peanut. He was so cute. See, and I'd rather have C-section. Shania's was awful. And literally, if I would have died from that, and there's such a high possibility, never when you have C-section are they supposed to let you have natural after because your risk of your uterus rupturing. And really? you die. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, um, but hers was the worst birth. That's where I got hemorrhoids. 
because of it. <laughs> yes, and my and I popped every blood vessel oh, in my I eyes. Oh, I did with Karina. Every single one of them, and then because I had been in labor for so long, three days. Oh. He went in and he had to massage my uterus, which was more painful than giving birth to that child. It oh. was awful. It was so painful. After twenty-four hours, if the baby's not coming. You do the C-section. That's Ash. I went two days. Shania was three days. And Zach was actually four days of labor. Holy cow. And then his heart started failing. And that's when they're like, we got to just take him out cesarean. I'm like, why didn't you guys do this earlier? Earlier? Yeah. Why wait so long? Yeah. Mine were so quick. Yeah, no. Karina was four to five hours. George was about three. Susie, about half hour. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's it. No. I didn't even know I was giving birth. My water had broken. I'm like, I'm just peeing my pants. He's like, well, that's your water it broke. And I'm like, oh, okay, but I don't have contractions. They're like, well, I can see the head. I'm like, oh, oh I gosh. thought I had to poop. And he's like, oh, that is not poop. That is your baby. And the doctor just put on the gown. He didn't even tie it up. He said, please don't push. Give me a second. He put the gloves on, and I pushed her, and he grabbed her. She would have fell on the floor because I didn't have the table out. My nothing. legs open, nothing. I was like, it's coming. I can't stop it. How do you stop a push? Give me a break, doctor. Uh-uh. And I told her, you know, you know, I tend to be pretty fast. And they're like, hell, you are not kidding, girl. You are not kidding. I'm like, well, she's the last one. You're like, there's no more. No uh, more uh. after her. <laughs> but she was so easy. Nice. No. Yeah. Mine were not. That's when the doctor, because I, I took told Vince, let's do one more. And, and the doctor said, you can't have any more because your, your uterus is just a train wreck. And then I ended up anyways with what? uterine cancer down the road. So yeah. 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 I'm grateful for the three I got. Yeah. They're Me perfect. Too. Thank you. They're God. perfect. Yes. Well, they are amazing. All you right. ready to tackle uh, Charlie Manson part two? Yes. <laughs> oh my God. I've Hold been waiting for this since to last your week. Butt. <laughs> so let me see. We left off with, um, let's see. They were talking about the stab wounds. I think we talked about the LeBlanc murders. And mm-hmm. that's, yeah, it was the LaBianca murders was LaBianca. the last one. And how he had like 41 stabs. Yes, that's excessive. <sighs> so now we're going to talk about all the different murder motives that they had out there. The first one, of course, was Helter Skelter. Um, the Helter Skelter scenario is an apocalyptic ver- vision um, that was punitively embraced by Charles Manson and members of his so-called family. At the trial of Manson and three others for the Tate LaBianca murders, the prosecution presented it as, a mo- as motivating the crimes and as an aspect of the case for conspiracy. Via interviews and autobiographies, former family members in the time related um, they'd witnessed and experienced of it. In both the trial and his subsequent book, Helter Skelter, The True Story of Manson Murders, prosecutor Vincent Bugliosi presented evidence that in the period that preceded the murders, Manson prophesied Helter Skelter, an an apocalyptic, apocalyptic war, that would ri- arise from racial tens- tensions between black and white people. Um, the prophecy involved reference to the New Testament's book of Revelation, 
I feel like they really like to take the book of Revelations, Revelations and, twist and twist it. it. Like all these murder things. I've never read it, but what makes them want to just I twist like, it so bad? I've read snippets of it. I never could sit down and actually read the Bible. I really struggled with mm-hmm. it. But I know it's like a lot of prophesying of like the last days and things like mm-hmm. that. So, um, And also it was attributed to the Beatles music, particularly songs from their 1968 White Album. Um, the major part of the evidence was that the testimony of the family member, Paul Watkins, Watkins, who was not involved in the crimes, presented the vision in full form. Um, though the defendants were convicted on all charges of conspiracy and murder, various parties have argued for other. Oh, boy, I just lost my place, guys. I went all the way back up to the top. Bear with me. Um, let's see. So... So though the defendants were convicted on all charges of conspiracy and murder, various parties have argued for other motives of the murder. Writers, police detectives, attorneys involved with the case and um, perpetrators have contended that the crimes were copycat killings, revenge for a bad drug deal, or a combination thereof. I don't think they were a copycat. Who were they? Oh, no. No. No, I don't know. This was so vicious. I think it was just insanity in his part oh i think so because he was like so elevated and just like i am a prophet and Mm -hmm. yeah okay dude yeah whatever (laughs) so the background on helter skelter which that was a huge part of the charles manson thing even i i was so young but and part of it i wasn't even born yet and but i remember in the 60s and the 70s seeing the news as it progressed and you know every once in a while coming up helter skelter was always mentioned like always Um, It's just a huge part of that. Um, As assembled by Vincent Bugliosi, the evidence of the vision indicated that Charles Manson had been predicting racial conflict for some time before he used the term helter skelter. And I feel like even like right now, like we're seeing a lot of this like racial tension in our nation and stuff. And as this week I was thinking about doing the rest of Charles Manson, I was just like, I feel like this is like, and it's not just race. It's no, the, oh, that's the, everybody. L- LGBTQI. The, the genders, yeah. thingies going on. I don't understand that stuff, honestly, because in my time, you were either gay or lesbian. That was it. Yeah. But, well, all the new... Transgender. It's all different. Thing, it's, it's hard to get used to. I don't understand it. Yeah. And you can explain it to me. It goes in one ear, out the other. It doesn't... I can't process it. I can't understand. I don't know. Yeah. And when I get those phone calls, I was like, I don't know to say he, she. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, ashes, they, them. And that's the Mm -hmm. hardest for me because that is like plural. And so in my Mm -hmm. brain through school, I learned that you said that. So how do you do that? But I do my best and I say, you know. That's me too. I just do my best. Forgive me if I don't use the correct pronouns or the words. I I, I don't want to be disrespectful. And they're like, don't worry. It's totally fine. Yeah. Well, Mikey and I were talking about that, or uh, one of our coworkers, and just about the fear that we're all feeling from yes, this. I mean, it's not safe anywhere, and it's, it's just crazy. too much hate. Yeah, too much mm. hate for everything, and mm. it's just like y'all need to chill out, chill out, and just let people be the way they want to be. You yeah, know, turn turn the wheels. Like, okay, you think only white people are good? Well. Put yourself in their shoes. What if they say, no, only black people are good? 
Yeah. Or only gays are good. No, you know, everybody, everybody respect them the way they are and and just that's what's live lost. your life the way you want to live it. Yeah, that's what's lost is it's respect. So, it, the respect is completely gone. Yeah, there's the none. new generations. It's unfortunate, but it is what it is. There. Yeah. It's, it's just not there. Mm-mm. <sighs> okay. All right. So, eh, let's see. So, Helter Skelter. So, it was a, a gathering of the family on New Year's Eve, 1968, according to Paul Watkins, that Manson first used the words Helter Skelter. Mm-hmm. Um, this was at their Myers Ranch near California's Death Valley. You still live out that way. Um, the apocalyptic scenario as limed by Watts, Watson and Manson as the war's ultimate beneficiary and its musical cause. So all this stuff was just playing into it. The Beatles song and the Beatles didn't write it for Manson. I mean, they, it was just a song on their album, mm-hmm. but he was just taking it to an extreme. Yeah. He used that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With the family, Manson would create an album whose songs would bear messages as subtle as those he had heard in songs of the Beatles. This would draw the love, the hippies in uh Hyatt Ashbury to join the family. And I believe there is actually an album that Manson put together that I don't know if it's available still to buy, but there was an he album. Was one. He wanted to be a singer, didn't he? Yeah, he played the guitar and mm-hmm. stuff. So I'm sure he was pretty good. Yeah. But God knows what he sang. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Um, so when Frightened Whites, according to Watkins and Tex Watson, would retaliate with a murderous rampage, militant black people would exploit it. They'd provoke a war of near extermination between racist white people and non-racist white people over the treatment about black people. In the wake of that, the militant black people would arise to finish off the few white people who survived to kill off all all non-black peoples. I love black and white. And I mean, honestly, I'm probably most prejudiced against my own race, but that's just from the abuse from my dad. Yes. Of and course. so that's what I, but, um, and what he stood for. The oh KKK, yeah. Yeah. That's no. awful. So I just, and I just, as I just look at this, it's just so mirroring what we have right now. Yeah. And it's disgusting. Again, I did forgot to say our disclosure. So we, uh, what happens after dark does not condone any kind of, violence or murder or anything like that we're just reporting what you know everybody can read on um and again there's a lot of words that they use in here that i would never use for describing a person i want that out there as well yes um so in this holocaust as watkins went on to explain the members of the enlarged um family would have little to fear they would wait out the war in a secret city beneath um death or underneath death valley a city they'd reached your hole in the ground. Upon the war's conclusion, they would be the only remaining whites emerging from underground. (laughs) This is so bizarre. Mm -hmm. Um, They would rule the blacks who, having completed the white man's karma, oh my gosh, would want to longer, um, would want no longer to kill. Proving, as Watkins explains, incapable of running the world, blacks would go to Manson, who'd scratch the black man's fuzzy head and kick him in the butt and tell him to go Pick the cotton and to be go be a good N-word. I'm not even going to say it because I hate it. Um, I just, this is so creepy to me that they're going to emerge from underneath the cotton. <laughs> they're Sorry. so crazy. That's uh, not right. <clears throat> no, they're insane. Um, the term helter-skelter was taken from the Beatles song, at the, which we discussed. Um, 
and which Manson uh, purportedly interpreted as concerned with the war. The song was on the band's self-titled double album, also known as the White Album, which Manson, within a month or so of its November 1968, he, you know, he went out and just bought that. Um, and then in, a, in appearing in a 2009 documentary, former Manson follower uh, Catherine Scher said the following. When the Beatles' White Album came out, Charlie listened to it over and over and over and over again. Oh, wow. He was quite certain that the Beatles had tra- uh, tapped into his spirit. The tr- <laughs> yeah, the truth that w- everything was going to come down and the black man was going to rise. It wasn't that Charlie listened to the White Album and started following what he thought the Beatles were saying. It was the other way around. He thought that the Beatles were talking about what he had been expounding for years. Every single song on the White Album, he felt that they were singing about us. The song Helter Helter Skelter. He was interpreting that to mean that the blacks were going to go up and the whites were going to go down. Mm. Um, According to Paul Watkins, Manson and his followers began preparing for Helter Skelter in the months before they committed the murders. They worked on songs for the Hope four albums, so there is one out there, which they anticipated would set off everything. They prepared vehicles and other items for their escape to Mm -hmm. Death Valley from the Los Angeles area. Um, When the days of violence would arrive, they poured over maps to plot a routine that would bypass highways and get them to the desert safely. Manson, according to Tex Watson, used parts of the song Helter Skelter to plot out the escape route to the desert. In uh, South Africa... Um, there's a lot of that going on right now. The whites think that the the black people are going to start a war against them, so they have all these. Uh, they live in a way where they can pack their house in an hour and leave. Oh wow! And they practice every month how to evacuate to this certain area. That's just crazy. It's insane, and they literally hate the Nigeria people because they are so good people. And a lot of the women there like the men, so they have a thing for Nigeria. Oh. Mm. No, and they think that they're the ones that are going to start this war and kill them all. And it's not at all. It's just they're psychotic. <sighs> all right, so the copycat version, or what they think is one of the motives, according to family members Susan Atkins, Patricia Krenwinkel, Leslie Van Houten, and Bobby Bosoil and others, the arrest of Bosoil for the torture and murder of Gary Hinman was the catalyst for the family's ensuing murder spree. They wanted to convince police that the killers of Hinman were still at large. Trump Capote's interviews of Bosole um, and that by Anne-Louise Bar- uh, Bardock in November 1981 affirmed the account. Charlie Gunther, a police detective who investigated the murders, said of uh, Bosoil, he called the Spawn Ranch after he was arrested. Uh, the sole motive for those murders was to get Bobby out of jail. Bugliosi's co-prosecutor, Aaron Stovitz, said he believed that the motive for the Tate-LaBianca La murders was as copycat murders after Hinman. So that's where the cop, they think that Manson's group, it was just a copycat of the first murder of Hinman. Oh. Another one that kind of was a big thing was the drugs. Mm. So other persons suggested the motive 
um, was related to the drug dealing by J.C. Bring and Wojtek Frykowski as their connection with Charles, Mans or Charles Watson and Manson and a bad drug deal. For instance, Sebring's protege, Jim Markham, believes that the murders were in response to a bad drug deal the day before in which Manson went to Tate's house to sell marijuana and cocaine to Sebring and Frykowski. Instead, the two men attacked and beat Manson. In an interview with police, Frykowski's friend, uh, Whitehold uh, Kazanowski, said that the Frykowski had been involved with many criminals and the drug trade. In his later interview with Truman Capote, Bobby Bolasol said they burned people on dope deals, Sharon Tate and that gang. Um, mm -hmm. Ed Sanders and Paul Krasner under, under uncovered information that Joel Rostow, the boyfriend of Sebring's receptionist, had delivered um, mescaline and cocaine to Sebring and Frykowski at the Tate's house a few hours before the murders. During the Manson trial, Rostow and other associates of Sebring were murdered. Sounds like the Russian. Yeah, it does. A lot of these names are, when it comes to Sharon Tate's side of stuff, are um, Polish because oh, her Polish. her um, boyfriend, Roman Polanski, was Polish. Was Polish. Oh. So a lot of their inner circle was Polish. But drugs and mental insanity. They don't, don't mix. mix. No. No. So that, that right there is. Mm hmm. Yeah. I mean, it makes a little sense, but I don't think that's why no, he killed. I, he killed because he was crazy. Yeah, he was. He was insane. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the trial a little bit. So the state of California tried Manson for the Tate and LaBianca murders with co-defendants uh, Leslie Van Houten, Susan Atkins, and Patricia Krenwinkel. Co-defendant Tex Watson was tried at a later date um, after being extradited from Texas. The trial began on July 15, 1970. Manson appeared wearing fringed buckskins, his typical clothing at Spawn Ranch. On July 24, 1970, the first day of testimony, Manson appeared in court with an X carved into his forehead. His followers um, issued a statement for Manson saying, I have X'd myself from your world. The following day, Mans Manson's co-defendants, Van Houten, Atkins, and Krenwinkel, also appeared in court with an X carved in their foreheads. I thought he had the Nazi symbol. I think it later turned into the, because oh. you've got the X and then you and just then need to add. add. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> That's insane. It is. And the, I mean, that would be painful to carve that into your own. Oh, you see, that's, that's, that's all the cuckoo-ness. Yeah. Oh my God. Members of the Manson family camped outside of the courthouse and held a vigil on a street corner because they were excluded from the courtroom for being disruptive. Good. Other members of the Manson family also carved crosses into their heads. One day, some members of the Manson family wore saffron robes to the trial, saying if Manson was convicted, they would um, immolate themselves, a reference to monks and nuns in Vietnam who set fire to themselves to protest, protest the Vietnam War. So they were going to set themselves on fire. Please go that just right makes ahead. Just, so much a, sense. There's a corner yeah. right there designated for you. So please go right yeah. over there. And do your thing. It just shows like the power 
of somebody who is so like, what is that word? Like manipulative, but like so charismatic mm-hmm. and how they can get these that people. power to convince them. To go this far, to set yeah. yourself on fire. No. No. Yes. <laughs> no, I'd be like, hell no. I don't know. I can't talk. I was in a damn cult for most of my life <laughs> yeah. and did everything they told you me to do. You had no choice. You had no choice. You were little. When you opened your eyes and grew up and realized you were out of there as fast as you could. So, yeah, no, I get that. Uh, let's see. Uh, where did I leave? Okay, so the state presented dozens of witnesses during the trial. However, its primary witness was Linda Casbian, who was the present... Um, who was present during the Tate murders on August 8th and 9th, 1969. Casbian provided graphic testimony of the Tate murders, which she observed from outside the house. She was also in the car with Manson on the following evening, when, according to her testimony, he ordered the LaBianca killings. Casbian spent days on the witness stand being cross-examined by the defendant's lawyers. After testifying, Casbian went into hiding for the next 40 years. <gasps> Well, they probably wanted to come after her. Oh, yeah. yeah but bet. the thing is, if she was in the car and heard about the love, why didn't she report those murders? Why didn't she do something then? Yeah. They're going to go kill the LaBiancas. Go protect them. Or, yeah. Tell the, the But police. she was under his control. But I but bet. she wasn't to, to testify against him. I know, but That's... I bet that it was like a plea deal. Oh, you know, probably. I bet. I, yeah, it doesn't say that, yeah, or maybe it will, probably. Admit it, but that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, like probably. we'll let you go for telling, being the witness. But with uh huh, the star witness. So in early August 1970, President Richard Nixon told reporters that he believed that Manson was guilty of the murders, either directly or indirectly. Manson obtained a copy of the newspaper and held up the headline to the jury. The defendant's attorney. Um, then called for a mistrial, arguing that their clients had allegedly killed far fewer people than Nixon's war machine in Vietnam. Judge Charles H. Older pulled each member of the jury to determine whether each juror saw the headline and whether it affected his or her ability to make an independent mm-hmm. decision. All of the jurors affirmed that they could still decide independently. Shortly after the female defendants, Atkins, Krenwinkel, and Van Houten, were removed from the room for chanting. Nixon says we're, we are guilty, so why go on? That's what they were chanting. Mm. And honestly, I feel like that's why he probably grabbed the newspaper so he could make it so it would be a mistrial. Mistrial, of course. Yeah, so. What an ass. Psychos can be smart. <laughs> yeah, I, well, they. Most uh, of them are. Yeah. I guess I'm not a psycho because my my IQ yeah. is not that high. My brain is a chipmunk brain, <laughs> so uh, that's a good thing, <laughs> I guess. If you look at it that way, yeah, then we're not murderers. We're not murderers. <laughs> we're we're good people. We love you. <laughs> oh, let's see. So on October fifth, nineteen seventy, Manson attempted to attack Judge Older while the jury was present in the room. Manson first threatened Older, then jumped over his lawyer's table with a sharpened pencil in the direction of Older. Manson was restrained before reaching the judge. While being led out of the courtroom, Manson screamed at Older, in the name of Christian justice, someone could cut your head off. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. Meanwhile, the female defendants began chanting something in Latin. Judge Older began right, uh, wearing a thirty-eight caliber pistol to the trial afterwards. Oh, my 
God. Yeah, because I bet he was a target. Like his whole family was. And probably maybe gonna... a vest. Yeah. Bulletproof vest. Crazy. He shouldn't have allowed any of those people. It should have been like a closed, closed court. I agree. On November 16, 1970, the state of California arrested its case after presenting 22 weeks worth of evidence. The defendants then stunned the courtroom by announcing that they had no witnesses to present and rested their case. Um, so Manson did do a testimony. It says immediately after the defendants counsel rested their case, the three female defendants shouted and they wanted that they wanted to testify. Their attorneys advised the court in chambers that they opposed their clients tes testifying. Apparently, the female defendants wanted to testify that Manson had nothing to do with the murders. The following day, Manson himself announced that he too wanted to testify. The judge allowed Manson to testify outside of the presence of the jury. He started as he stated as follows. These children that come at you with knives, they are your children. You taught them. I didn't teach them. I just tried to help them stand up. Most of the people at the ranch that you call the family were just people that you did not want. Um, Manson continued equating his actions to those uh, of society at large. I know this, he said, that in your hearts and your souls, you are much responsible for the Vietnam War as I am for killing these people. I can't judge any of you. I have no malice against you and no ribbons for you. But I think that it's high time that you all start looking at yourselves and judging the lie that you live in. Manson concluded claiming that he too was a creation of the system that he viewed as fundamentally violent and unjust. He said, my father is in the jailhouse. My father is your system. I am only what you made me. I am only a reflection of you. You want to kill me. Ha, I'm already dead. Have been all my life. I've spent 23 years in tombs that you have built. After Manson finished speaking, Judge Older offered to test uh, him testify before the jury. Um, offered it to Manson. Manson replied that it was not necessary. Manson then told the female defendants that they no longer need to testify. On November 30th, 1970, Leslie Van Houten's attorney, Ronald Hughes, failed to appear for the closing arguments in the trial. He was later found dead in a California state park. His body was badly decomposed and it was impossible to tell the cause of death. Hughes um, had disagreed with Manson during the trial, taking the position that his client Van Houten should not testify to claim that Manson had no involvement with the murders. Some have alleged that Hughes was murdered by the Manson family. Of course. On January 25th, 1971, the mm -hmm. jury found Manson, Krenwinkel, and Atkins guilty of first-degree murder in all seven of the Tate Good. and LaBianca killings. The jury found Van Houten guilty of murder in the first degree in the LaBianca La killings. And I totally agree with that allegation that, yeah. I mean, how, who else is going to go kill him? I mean, uh -huh. the family was probably ordered to go take care of that of guy course. as a punishment. Of course. So. Of course. And he's playing the victim with his. I know. It's so stupid. Please. So stupid. So the sentencing. So after the convictions, the court held a separate hearing before the same jury to determine if the defendants should receive the death sentence. Each of the three female defendants, Atkins, Van Houten, and Krenwinkel, took the stand. They provided graphic details of the murders and testified that Manson was not involved. According to the female defendants, they had committed the crimes in order to help fellow Manson family member 
Bobby Bosaloil get out of jail when he was being held for murder of Gary Hyman. The family defendants testified that the Tate LaBianca murders were intended to be copycat crimes, similar to the Hyman killing. Atkins, Krenwinkel, and Van Houten claimed that they did this under the direction of the state's prime witness, Linda Caspian. The defendants did not express remorse for the killings. It's a good thing she went and hid mm-hmm. because, I mean, that attorney, they mm-hmm. killed him. They would have they would have probably dismembered her and hit her all over oh, the place. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, on March 4th, 1971, during the sentencing hearings, Manson trimmed his beard to a fork. Wait, what? Manson trimmed his beard to a fork and shaved his head, telling the media, I am the devil, and the devil always has a bald head. However, the female defendants did not immediately shave their own heads. The state prosecutor, Vincent Bugliosi, later speculated in his book, Helter Skelter, that they refrained from doing so so in order not to appear to be completely controlled by Manson, um, as they had when they carved the X in their forehead. So he went from a prophet to being Satan. Yeah. Whatever. (laughs) I mean, come on. That should be a closed case right there. I I didn't even put that two together until you said that right now. Yeah. Seriously. Oh, my gosh. gosh. (laughs) Um, Let's see. Uh, Let's see. Okay, so on March 29th, 1971, the jury sentenced all four defendants to death. With the female defendants were led into the courtroom. Each of them had shaved their heads, as had Manson. After hearing this sentence, Atkins shouted to the jury, Better lock your doors and watch your kids. Oh, he yeah, said that? That's what uh, Atkins said, one of the ladies. Well, oh. one of the women. I'm not going to even call her a lady. Mm-hmm. Um, the Manson murder trial was the longest murder trial in American history when it occurred, lasting nine and a half months. The trial was among the most publicized American criminal yep. cases of the 20th century and was dubbed the trial of the century. Mm-hmm. The jury had been sequestered for 225 days longer than any jury before it. Um, the trial transcript alone ran to 209 volumes or 31,716 pages. Holy cow. Yeah, that's insane. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the post-trial events. So this one is from 1971 to 2017. Uh, Manson was admitted to state prison from Los Angeles County on April 22nd, 71 for seven counts of first degree murder and one count of conspiracy to commit murder for the deaths, deaths of Abigail Ann Folger, Wojciech Bryakowski, Stephen Earl Parent, Sharon Tate Polanski, Jay Sebring and Leno and Rosemary LaBianca. As the death penalty was ruled unconstitutional in 1972, I was wondering about that because I remember they none of them died by, like they didn't get. I mean, even though they were sentenced to the death penalty, none of them, none of them got no. killed. And no. one of the ladies even got released. I can't remember which one. I, I should have looked one that of up. Them. Yep, but they never got. Mm-mm. Yep. That's so with, crazy. So with that being unconstitutional, Manson was resentenced to life with the possibility of parole. His initial death sentence was modified to life on February 2nd, 1977. And that's one of the biggest things I remember is like every time he would come up for parole. Like, I mean, everybody was like, please, please don't let him out. But I honestly think between his crazy stuff. How can you allow someone a chance to get out? If you don't have the death penalty, then leave him in there to rot. Exactly, exactly. 
Um, that's that's what like yeah I don't blows my mind. It is. It's like why why would you even consider releasing that type of person back into society? Or I mean, they're obviously going to the kill clan, any of the clan, the girls and all of them. Mm-mm. So on December 13th, 1971, Manson was convicted of first degree murder in Los Angeles <clears throat> County Court for the July 25th, 1969 death of musician Gary Heinemann. So Manson had something to do with his death as well. He was also convicted of first degree murder for the August 1969 death um, of Donald Jerome Shorty Shea. Following the 1972 decision of California versus Anderson, California's death sentences were were ruled unconstitutional and that any prisoner now under a sentence of death may file a petition for the writ of habeas corpus in the Superior Court, inviting the court to modify its judgment to provide for the appropriate alternative punishment of life imprisonment or life imprisonment with the possibility of parole mm. specified by statute for the crime for which he was sentenced to death. Manson was thus eligible to apply for parole after seven years of incarceration. His first parole hearing took place on November 16, 1978 at California's medical facility in Vacaville where his pe- petition was um, of course rejected. Thank God. So in, from 1980 to 1990, um, in the 1980s, Manson gave four interviews to the mainstream media. The, refor- the first recorded at California Medical Facility and aired on June 13, 1981, was by Tom Snyder for NBC, The Tomorrow Show. The second recorded at San Quentin State Prison and aired on March 7, 1986, was by Charlie Rose for CBS. And it won the National News Emmy Award for that best interview in 1987. Holy cow. Wow. The third was with Geraldo Rivera oh. <laughs> in 1988 and was part of the journalist primetime special on Satanism. And for some reason, I can remember snippets of that, um, of watching that. Mm. But I, I mean, it was the year I graduated high school, but I can remember like snippets of it. Um, wow. Let's see. At least early... At least as early as the Snyder interview, Manson's forehead bore a swastika in the spot where the X carved during his trial had been. Nicholas Schreck conducted an interview with Manson for his documentary, Charles Manson's Superstar, in 1989. Schreck concluded that Manson was not insane, but merely acting that way out of frustration, Mm -hmm. which I think a lot of it was an act. Like, he was so fantastical and so, Mm -hmm. like, you know, controlling, and I just... I can't imagine having to sit there and be keep your straight face. Like, mm-hmm. I think I would just be like, idiot. <laughs> you know? I know. <laughs> I can't imagine having to sit there and just be like, keep a straight face and try, you know, just, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I think he was insane. You, There's something. At least something. There's something there. There's no way. Yeah. Um, On September 25th, 1984, Manson was imprisoned in the California Medical Facility at Vacaville with inmate John Holmstrom um, poured paint thinner on him and set him on fire. Oh, my gosh. Causing second and third degree burns over 20% of his body. Holmstrom explained that Manson had objected to his um, Har Krishna chants and verbally threatened him. So those the the Krishna stuff Mm -hmm. that we talked about with Case Cross. So, yeah, Um, after 1989, Manson was housed in the protective housing unit at California State Prison. 
Cochran in Kings County. The unit housed inmates at um, inmates whose safety would be endangered by general population housing. Mm-hmm. He had also been housed at San Quentin State Prison, California Medical Facility in Vacaville, Folsom State Prison, and Pelican Bay State Prison. All of those are so scary. I've seen those some of them. Those are terrible. Yeah. In June 1997, a prison um, disciplinary committee found that Manson had been trafficking drugs. Mm -hmm. He was moved from Cochrane State Prison to Pelican Bay uh, State Prison a month later. Gosh, what an idiot. Uh, From 2000 to 2017. On September 5th, 2007, MSNBC aired The Mind of Manson, a complete version of a 1987 interview at California's San Quentin State Prison, the footage of the unshackled, unapologetic, and unruly Manson had been considered so believable that only seven minutes of it had originally been broadcast on Today, for which it had been recorded. In June of 2011, a photograph of Manson showing a receding hairline, grizzled gray beard and hair, and the swastika tattoo Mm -hmm. still prominent on his forehead was released to the public by California correction officials. In 2010, the Los Angeles Times reported that Manson was caught with a cell phone in 2009 and contacted people in California, New Jersey, Florida, and British Columbia. A spokesperson for the California Department of Corrections stated that it was not known if Manson had used the phone for criminal purposes. Manson also recorded an album of acoustic pop songs with additional production by Henry Rollins, titled Completion. Only five copies were pressed. Two belonged to Rollins, while the other three are presumed to have been with Manson. Um, the album really remains unreleased. And I would love to hear that, those, those I know. Songs. Just see. Yeah, just to be like they'd be all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, at, and we're going to talk about his illness and death. So on January 1st, 2017, Manson was being held at Cochrane Prison where he was rushed to Mercy Hospital in downtown Bakersfield because he had gastrointestinal bleeding. A source told the Los Angeles Times that Manson was very ill, and TMZ reported that his doctors considered him too weak for surgery that normally would be performed in cases such as his. He was returned to prison on January 6th, and the nature of his treatment was not disclosed. On November 15, 2017, an unauthorized source said that Manson had returned to a hospital in Bakersfield, but the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation did not confirm this in um, in conformity with state and federal medical privacy laws. He died from cardiac cardiac uh, arrest Mm -hmm. resulting from respiratory failure brought on by colon cancer at the hospital on November 19th. Dude, at least he suffered. Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) Three people stated their intention to claim Manson's estate and body. Manson's grandson, Jason Freeman, stated that his intent to take possession of Manson's remains and personal effects. Manson's pen pal, Michael Channels, claimed to have a Manson will dated February 14, 2002, which left Manson, uh, Manson's entire state and Manson's body to Channels. Manson's friend, Ben Gorecki claimed to have a Manson will dated January 2017, which gives the estate and Manson's body back to Matthew Roberts, another alleged son of Manson. In 2012, CNN ran a DNA match to see if Freeman and Roberts were related to each other and found that they were not. Mm. 
According to CNN, two prior attempts to DNA match Roberts with genetic material from Manson failed, but the results were reportedly contaminated. On March 12, 2018, the Kern County Superior Court in California decided in favor of Freeman in regard to Manson's body. Freeman had Manson cremated on March 20, 2018, and as of February 7, 2020, Channels and Freeman still had petitions to California courts attempting to establish the heir of Manson's state. At, this time, at that time, Channels was attempting to force uh, Freeman to submit the DNA court for testing. Um, and so wow. who would want his shit? His shit, exactly. I was just thinking that. <laughs> like, why no. would you, why are you fighting over that crap? Like, And seriously. there can't be like a lot of money, I don't think, or anything. No. I mean, I don't know. No. So we're going to talk a little bit about. Just because he's famous. Is yeah. all it is. They just want claim to yeah. fame, which I would never want claim to fame to that anything sh- of that. No, that's crazy. So we're going to talk a little bit about Manson's personal life. So there was involvement with Scientology. Manson began studying Scientology while incarcerated with the help of a fellow uh, inmate, Lanier Rayner. And in July of 1961, Manson listed his religion as Scientology. A September 1961 prison report argues that Manson appears to have developed a certain amount of insight into his problems through his study and discipline. Another prison report in August 1966 stated that Manson was no longer an advocate of Scientology um, upon his release in 19 <laughs> yeah upon his release in 1967 Manson traveled to Los Angeles where he reportedly met local Scientologists and attended several parties for movie stars Manson completed 150 hours of auditing Manson's right-hand man Bruce M Davis worked at the Church Scientology headquarters in London from November 68 through April of 69 so um I don't know much about Scientology, but I feel like he went into that because it is like the celebrity's religion. Mm-hmm. And that was his way to like kind of get a foot in there. Yeah. That's my own personal thought on that. Um, so in 2009, Los Angeles disc jockey Matthew Roberts released correspondence and other evidence indicating that he might be Manson's biological son. Robert's biological mother claims that she was a member of the Manson family who left in the mid-1967 after being raped by Manson. She returned to her parents' home to complete the pregnancy, gave birth on March 22, 68, and put Roberts up for adoption. CNN conducted a DNA test between Matthew Roberts and Manson's own biological grandson, Jason Freeman, showing that Roberts and Freeman did not share DNA. Roberts subsequently attempted to establish that Manson was his father through a direct DNA test, which proved definitely that Robert and Manson were not related. So it was just claim to fame. Oh. Um, in 2014, the imprisoned Manson became engaged to a 26-year-old Afton Elaine Burton and obtained a marriage license on November 7th. Manson gave Burton the nickname Star. She had been visiting him in prison for at least nine years and maintained several websites that proclaimed his innocence. The wedding license expired on February 5th, 2015, without a marriage ceremony taking place. Journalist Daniel Simone reported that the wedding was canceled after Manson discovered that Burton wanted to marry him, only so that she and friend Craig Hammond could use his corpse as tourist attraction after his death. Oh, oh my, my gosh. God. Oh, that's, well, that's just disgusting. Oh, um, my God. 
It okay. goes from bad to worse. Are I feel like serious? that. Like people, and it's not, I mean, people are just nuts. <sighs> According to Simone, Manson believed that he would never die and may simply have used the possibility of marriage as a way to encourage Burton and Hammond to continue, continue visiting him and bringing him gifts. Burton said on her website that the reason that the marriage did not take place was merely log logistical. Manson had an infection and had been in prison medical facility for two months and could not receive vi visitors. She said that she still hoped that the marriage license would renew and the marriage would take place. <sighs> awesome. Um, I married <laughs> to that. Oh no. The psychology be behind him. So on April 11th, 2012, Manson was denied release at his 12th parole hearing, which he did not attend. After his March 27th, 1997 parole hearing, Manson refused to attend any of his later hearings. The panel at the hearing noted that Manson had a history of controlling behavior and his mm -hmm. mental health issues, including schizophrenia mm -hmm. and paranormal delusional or paranoid no, delusional yeah. mm -hmm. disorder and was too great a danger to be released. The panel also noted that Manson had received 108 rules violation reports and no indication of remorse, no insight into the causative factors of the crimes, lacked understanding of the magnitude of the crimes, had an exceptional callous disregard for human suffering, mm -hmm. and, had, um, no, and had no parole plans. At the April 11, 2012 parole hearing, it was determined that Manson would not be reconsidered for parole for another 15 years, um, not before 2027 if he was still alive. Um, I mean, uh, right there, there it is. He's a yeah, psycho, psycho sociopath. At that time, if he would have lived to that, he would have been 92 at that parole hearing. No, no. Um, according to a recent reanalysis of Manson's psychological state, researchers suggest that he had been, he may have been misdiagnosed diagnosed with schizophrenia. Instead, they proposed that Manson had bipolar disorder and psychopathy. Mm. Psychopathy, yeah. Yeah. Schizophrenia, all of it. All of it in one person. Yes, he's the magnifying. Yeah, of he was all of it. So there is some legacy, um, culture impact. In June of 1970, Rolling Stone made Manson their cover story. Bernardine Dorn of the Weather Underground reportedly said that of the Tate murders, dig it. First they co killed those pigs and then they ate dinner in the same room with them. Mm. And they even shoved a fork into a victim's stomach. Wild. Manson mm. fanatic James Mason claimed to be acting on a, on a suggestion from Charles Manson based on his interpretation of something Manson said in a televised interview when Manson founded the Universal Order, a neo-Nazi group that had influenced other movements such as the terrorist group in the um, Adam Waffen division. Buglioso quoted a BBC employee's assertion that a neo Manson cult existed in Europe, represented by approximately 70 rock bands, mm. playing songs by Manson and songs in support of him. What? I'd like to know what those, who those groups are, because I'll never listen to them again. Oh, wow. my God. So music. Um, it says, see also Charles Manson disco, discography. Manson was a struggling musician seeking to make a big mm -hmm. in Hollywood between 67 and 69. The Beach Boys did a cover of one of his songs. Oh my gosh, really? Other what? songs? Which song? I know, that's why I'm hoping they tell us. Let's see, other songs were publicly released only after the trial of the Tate murders. Um, let's see, 
On March 6, 1970, Lie, an album of Manson music, was released. This included Cease to Exist, a Manson composition of the Beach Boys had recorded. So it's something called um, Never Learn to Never Learn Not to Love is the Beach Boys one. Yeah. Over the next couple of months, only about 300 of the album's 2,000 copies sold. There have been several other releases of Manson's recordings, both musical and spoken. One of these, The Family Jams, includes two compact discs of Manson songs recorded by the family in 1970, after Manson and the others had been arrested. Guitar and lead vocals are supplied by Steve Grogan. Additional vocals supplied by Lynette Fromm, Sandra Good, Catherine Scher, and others. One Mind, an album of music, poetry, and spoken word, new at the time of its release in April 2005, was put under a Creative Commons license. Did you find anything on that? I don't think they're hearing it on there, but... I don't know if they can hear it because it's not like going into the microphones, but where did you find that? Okay, so on YouTube, it says the Beach Boys 2020. It's like a red background and all of them sitting there. Never learn not to love. If you guys want to go look that up and shout out to YouTube for having that so that we could look that up. Interesting. Ugh. Let's see. So American rock band Guns N' Roses recorded a Manson's Look at Your Game Girl, included as an unlisted 13th track on their 1993 album, The Spaghetti Incident. My Monkey, which appears on Portrait of an American Family by the American rock band Marilyn Manson, includes the lyrics, I had a little monkey. I sent him to the country and I fed, on, I fed him on gingerbread. Along came a choo-choo, knocked my monkey cuckoo, and now my monkey's dead. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> oh. I don't like that. That singer, that guy. Oh no, he's scary. He's scary as hell. He, yeah. No, I don't like that. Yeah, no. Um, so these lyrics are from Manson's Mechanical Man, which is heard on the lie. Crispin Glover cover, Never Say Never, to always on his album. The big problem um, and the solution, or equals the solution. The solution equals let it be released in 1989. Musical performers such as Caspians, Bon Ranch, and Marilyn Manson derive their names from Manson and his lore. Here's a cool story. I did not know about this until I went to research it. So Angela Lansbury has a tie to Charlie Manson. Murder, she wrote, my favorite, one of my favorite actresses. So... It says, Angela Lansbury once saved her daughter from Charles Manson's cult. He was chariz- charismatic in so many ways. Um, in the wake of Angela Lansbury's death on Tuesday, a 2014 interview the actor gave to Mail Online via The Independent was resurfaced due to the revelation that Lansbury once saved her daughter from joining Charles Manson's cult. Lansbury said to her daughter, who is now 69, was fascinated by Manson. The notorious serial killer whose string of victims included Sharon Tate, Lansbury's child, became involved with drugs as a young teen and fell under Manson's spell. Oh, my God. Yeah. It started with cannabis but moved on to heroin. There were uh, factions up in the hills above Malibu that were dedicated to deadly pursuits. 
Lansbury said. It pains me to say it, but at one stage, Deidre was in with a crowd led by Charles Manson. She was one of many youngsters who knew him, and they were fascinated. He was an extraordinary character, charismatic in many ways, no question about it. Lansbury, after discovering her daughter had fallen into Manson's circle, told her husband that they had to leave Los Angeles area for good. Staying was not an option. We up sticks and or yep, we up sticks and moved the family to a house I found in County Cork. Lansbury said, "I was drawn to Ire uh, to Ireland because it was the birthplace of my mother, and it was also somewhere my children." Wouldn't be exposed to any more bad influences. Mm, good for her. I still have a house there, which I try and visit at least once a year. So I refused all work for a year and simply kept the house. Lansbury said it took Deidre a little longer to break the bad habits, but she finally got married and said, and she and her husband now live in Los Angeles where they run their own Italian restaurant. Good Isn't for her. that like I had no insane. idea that there was that tie because, and I just love her. I mean, one of my favorite movies is Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's mm -hmm. like live action and um, like cartoon. It's Disney. And it's just, it's so, I love that. I just. With my mom, when we were younger, we would watch Murder, She Wrote. Oh, I love Murder, And whoever guessed who the killer was didn't have to do the dishes. All the rest had to do the dishes. Whoever wow. lost would do the dishes. Because <laughs> it was right after dinner, so we're like, okay, let's see who wins. <laughs> I love Murder, She Wrote, and oh, I was yeah. raised on that with my mom, you know, that we loved watching that. Okay. I still watch it. Like, I don't remember what streaming platform, but every once in a while, I'll pull it up and watch it. That's uh, crazy. That's uh, scary. Yeah. Crazy. Um, just to wrap it up, I just wanted to mention um, the the Manson family and tell you guys how insane this was. They had 60 members. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to list them out real quick. Um, Charles Manson, Bobby um, Bolose, Daniel DiCarlo, Stephen Grogan, Sandra Good, Leslie Van Houten, Sherry Ann Cooper, Susan Scott, Ella, T Ella Joe Bailey, Mary Bruner, Phil Phillips, Harold True, Charles Watson, Juan Flynn, Larry Bailey, David Lipset, Colleen Sinclair, Stephanie Schramm, Nancy Pittman, Diane Lake, Bruce Davis, Lynette Fromm, Laura Shepard, Ruth Ann Morehouse, Madeline Cottage, Claudia Smith-William Van Sickle, Paul Watkins, Jack Gordon, Carol Loveless, Albert Springer, Kenneth Bell, Susan Atkins, Bruce Hall, Charles Allen Beard, Patricia Krenwickel, Brian Luca Vesky, Catherine Scher, David Han Hannum, Larry Craven, Mark Bloodworth Damien, Susan Bartell, Johnny Schwartz, Vern Plumley, Stephen Plazo, Catherine Lutzinger, Thomas Walliman, Alan Diesel, uh, Delisle, Catherine Giles, uh, Charlie Griffin, Maria Alonso, Barbara Rosenberg, Linda Caspian, uh, Diane Von Hahn, uh, Barbara Hoyt, Ruth Gordon, uh, Raymond Patrizzo, Robert Allen Murray, Thomas Galella, and Robert Reinhardt. 60 members were following him. And 60, when they just as crazy as him. Standing on the corner while he was in trial, minus the ones that were also on trial. Mm. So that is Charles Manson, guys, and his tie to Kay's Cross and oh. that wild, insane story of About LSD Lansbury. and. All of it. Swastikas, and it's just, it's crazy. That was 
glad to be done with him. Holy cow. No wonder he's. He was so famous for. Yeah. I mean, well, he got in with the celebrities. So there's his call to fame. He got, I mean, he was, it was just so publicized. Yeah. It was, how about in Ecuador? I mean, were you in Ecuador during the 60s? No, we were in the 60s. Yeah. Uh, I was born in 67. So you were like right there as he was getting started Mm -hmm. then too. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. And then I moved to Ecuador. But when I came back married, I remember a little bit listening about him on the, yeah. TV and stuff, and I'm, I'm I didn't know much about him. I didn't really care about that stuff, yeah. so I always ignored it. I'm like, yeah, that, that guy again, that guy again. It's like, oh my god, it's yeah, it's and I think he did not age well. I don't know if you've oh. we'll get pictures put up, guys. Yeah, um, he did not age sick. well at all. Sick, sick, sick. <laughs> Gross. So, uh, the sites where you can find us is Spotify. Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Samsung Podcasts, Podcast Inbox, Deezer, Listen Notes, Stitcher, Pandora, Google Podcasts, RSS.com, TuneIn. And please, if you want to uh, share our episodes and rate us, yes, please rate that us. will be greatly appreciated. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, if you want to email us any comments, any ideas or if you want to share one of your stories and you want us to, you know, talk about it on one of our episodes, please let us know. Our email is what happens after dark ll at gmail.com. And you can find us on social media at Facebook as Luna Wad, which stands for What Happens After Dark. So W H A D Lee. Instagram at What Happens After Dark LL. TikTok is Wad1210. Um, if you'd like to donate to our Patreon, please do, because it will help us um, to progress and get better and mm-hmm. visit other places. So, yeah, hop on that, man. It's <laughs> patreon.com, oh, and yeah. it's under what happens after that. I always forget that part. <laughs> <laughs> please donate. All righty. Well, thank you so much for uh, enduring listening to yeah. us and enduring all this crazy Story about Charles Manson. Stay safe. Yes, stay safe. Don't join a cult, man. Never. And if you're in one, get the hell out. Yeah. (laughs) Like, pack your stuff up and go. Mm -mm, That's no. Yeah, people that think they're the prophets, they're Jesus, that right there should raise a red flag saying, (laughs) this man is insane. I need to walk away. Yes. So, yeah. So, please do walk away. Yeah, please. Don't go live in Death Valley either or she'll die because it's like 100,000 degrees out there. Oh, no. (laughs) Yuck. No. All righty. All right. Well, thank you. Bye. Bye.